brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back to our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here's the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome to the show, everybody. All right, today we're talking about prejudice. Yes, prejudice. It's a wonderful topic, isn't it? Uh, actually, it's not. But to tell you the truth, it's interesting. When I was a young kid, uh, when I first went to school in, in, in the cornfields of Indiana, uh, the integration, the forced integration of schools had just begun where uh, poor black kids who lived on the east side of town could could go to the schools on the west side of town and we got integrated and it was very interesting because in that and it, it was literally my first year of school so for me prejudice was kind of an abnormal thing because i grew up and some of my best friends were of all colors um just because the integration that took place so i presumed that the world was a lot less uh prejudice than it actually is. That really wasn't a term until I got older that I started to understand because uh, I didn't realize these kids were being bused from the other side of town into our schools. Um, so, it, it, you know, prejudice is something that we all struggle with. It's, it is a negative term, but it has to be understood also from the sense of historical, uh, the need for it. And, and from a tribal perspective, from a um, you know, a societal perspective and a cultural perspective, because it came about uh, basically out of insecurities, uh, tribes not knowing, you know, if you don't know somebody or somebody looks different or acts different or speaks different, then basically uh, what tribes would do is they would band together against that other tribe uh, rather than try to get to know because they were afraid of what they did not know. You know, prejudice is basically baseless and, and usually uh, a negative attitude towards members of a group. And common features of prejudice include negative feelings, stereotype beliefs, and the tendency to discriminate against members of the group. So while, you know, definitions of prejudice are given by like social scientists, many of them differ. Uh, most agree that it involves you know, prejudgments, usually negative prejudgments about members of a group. So there's several types of prejudice here, and we'll talk about that. Prejudice can be based upon a, a number of factors, including sex, race, age, sexual orientations, nationality, socioeconomic status, religion. And some of the most well-known types of prejudice include racism, sexism, uh, classicism, homophobia, nationalism, and religious prejudice. Also, ageism and prejudice. So, when we look at prejudice, we also have to look at the term stereotyping because when prejudice occurs, stereotyping and discrimination may also result. And in many cases, prejudices are based upon a stereotype. And, and what is a stereotype? Well, it's a simplified assumption about a group based on prior assumptions. So, stereotypes can be both positive, you know, women are warm and nurturing, or a negative, teenagers are lazy. You know, stereotypes can, can lead to faulty beliefs, but they can also result in both prejudice and discrimination. So, you know, we have to look at work uh, that, that has taken place. And, uh, you know, the human mind must think uh, with the aid of categories. People need to simplify. We love to turn this world into a black and white place. And the truth is, life is gray. 
And so, you know, once these categories are for, formed on a basis of, of normal prejudgment, then uh, you can't really avoid the process of prejudice. So orderly living basically depends on it because you, you stereotype, you, you categorize, and then you form beliefs about a certain society or a certain members of society. And basically that makes your life a lot easier because you can just decide, hey, there's my, here's my instant reaction to a black person. Here's my instant reaction to a group of people, you know, whatever it is. And so, you know, researchers have also found that people tend to view members of outside groups as being more homogeneous than members of their own group. And that phenomenon is referred to the outgroup homogeneity bias. And, th- and this perception that all members of an outgroup are alike holds true of all groups, whether based on race, nationality, religion, age, or other naturally uh, occurring uh, affiliations. So there's ways to reduce prejudice. And, and basically, in addition to looking at the reason why prejudice occurs, Researchers have basically explored different ways that prejudice can be reduced or even eliminated. So training people to become more empathetic to members of other groups is one method that has showed considerable success because by showing empathy, you're actually identifying with a different group or a different race or a different religion, and you're forming a bridge, a dialogue where it's respectful of both people. And that takes the prejudice out because basically if you think of prejudice in a negative way and all the damage it's done throughout the the civilization of mankind, the bottom line is it's a fear-based uh, need. And and we do not live in fear. We have to live in faith if we are truly alive. And I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about faith, meaning taking a leap of faith. We have to take chances, calculated risks. And prejudice falls into the need to take calculated risks, but it, form, it, it when it's used, it's too prejudgmental and it's poor. It, it's, it's poor in its depth. It, it loses touch with what people are really about because people are individuals and they each have a different makeup. They each came from a different environment. They each have a different spirit. And so when we categorize like this, basically we take life out of people. We take chances of taking leaps of faith to make our life even richer. You know, the, the other thing that prejudice does, uh, it, it, it requires laws to be passed to stop it. And that's so sad because that's a very expensive venture. You know, truthfully, you have to have laws to prevent prejudice from overstepping. And also, you have to gain public support and awareness uh, for anti-prejudice social norms. And that means a lot of media attention on prejudice and what that's about. And also making people aware of inconsistencies in their own beliefs because people don't often take responsibility for their bigotism. And also increased contact with members of other social groups also prevents prejudice. It allows people to be a little bit more gray. So what is this basic need and this way of thinking? Where does prejudice come from? It it doesn't come from ideology. Instead, it stems from deeper psychological need associated with, with a particular way of thinking, which people who aren't comfortable with ambiguity want to make a very quick, firm decision, black and white, And are also prone to making generalizations about others. So they simplify their life. by, And also they make a very stupid choice by generalizing. 
and basically forming overall opinions. So people who are prejudiced feel much stronger need to, to, to make quick and firm judgments and decisions in order to reduce ambiguity. And of course, everyone has to make decisions. But some people really hate uncertainty, therefore quickly relying on the most obvious information, often the first information they come across, to reduce it. And so that's what they do. And that's also why they favor authorities and social norms with making it easier to make decisions. Then once they've made up their mind, they stick to it. And if you provide information that contradicts them, they'll just ignore it or they'll fight back. And truthfully, if you look at the people out there in this world that you interact with, the people that make very fast decisions, very fast decisions without a lot of thought, are often people that hold some prejudices. Because thoughtful people, people that go in depth into their thoughts and sit on a thought for a while, those are people that are more likely to look to the gray. So when you're looking to uh, have a dialogue with somebody that's that's different than you or a group that's different than you, what you wanna look for is somebody that is thoughtful. And that is very, very, very helpful. And also, you know, the, the prejudice way of thinking, the quick decision maker, is linked to people's need to categorize the world. And often unconsciously, when we meet someone, we immediately see that person as being male or female, young or old, black or white, without really being aware of this categorization. So social categories are useful to reduce complexity, but the problem is that we also assign some properties to these categories that can lead to prejudice and stereotyping. So also, you know, people, and I gotta tell you, you know, doing counseling for as long as I've been doing it, it's it's 16 years now, uh, actually working on 17. um, It's amazing to me that in this room where I'm doing counseling, There is no prejudice. These are people. And it's amazing to me that we have to operate that way because, simply put, they're just people. And I can tell you across the board, no matter what uh, culture they've come from, what kind of background, what color, their problems are the same. Their problems are the same. Maybe how they arrived at them are different but they're the same. And and the solutions are also very similar, but you always have to take in cultural uh, consideration. You know, it's virtually impossible to change the basic way that people think. But the good news is it's possible to actually use this way of thinking to reduce people's prejudice. That means to go more in depth, be more available. And I always talk about existentialism, but basically existentialism eliminates prejudice because you're just there in the moment you're in. You're not thinking about the past. You're not thinking about robotic, uh, automatic programmed thoughts. You're in the moment. You're fully in the moment, in the present, not in the past or the future. You're not predicting. You're not doing anything but interacting with the people you're, that are available to you at that time. That's where humor comes from. That's where intuition comes from. And that's what eliminates prejudice. And it's a thing called existentialism. All right. The, you know, the, the fundamental source of prejudice, once again, is not ideology, but the, the basic human need and way of thinking that it, it really makes us think differently about people become prejudiced and why they are prejudiced. To reduce prejudice, we first have to acknowledge that it often satisfied some basic need to have a quick answer, stable knowledge people rely on, and make sense of the world. And, uh, you know, the truth is most of us, most all of us in this world, if not all of us, come from Ethiopia and Somalia. That's where the human race began. And if you look back 150,000 years ago, which is what they, where they can trace mankind, 
we all came from that same root and then moved to different parts of the world, adapted to those different parts of the world, and became different looking to adapt to the environments we lived in. And so it's amazing to find that people have developed characteristics that let them evolve in the lands that they move to. And so the truth is all of us are multiracial. All of us have all cultural backgrounds within our blood and and within our genes. It's amazing. We have Middle Eastern, we have Russian, we have Scottish, we have English, we have German, we have French, we have the whole thing, African, we have South American, we have Mexican, we have all kinds of uh, cultures within our genetics. And so being prejudiced, we're also being prejudiced against ourselves. And if you go to the, uh, G, uh, the, um, uh, I'm trying to think of the, uh, genetic term, the, um, genebase.com, genebase.com allows you to, to basically swab inside your cheek, uh, with a little, uh, quick Q-tip and basically send it back and they can break your genes down and tell you exactly where you came from from 150,000 years ago. It's very interesting. The other day I actually had a uh, person that is only one uh, generation behind me that is there, that I was unfamiliar with but is actually in my family. Um, but it's if you're a female, it, it can only break down your mother's side because you have XX in your chromosome. With males, they have XY so it does both mom and dad. Okay, so... Here's bias. How do we learn prejudice? You know, social scientists believe children begin to acquire prejudice and stereotypes as kids, as little toddlers. So many studies have shown that as age, as early as age three, children pick up terms of racial prejudice without really understanding their significance. And soon they begin to form attachments to their own group and develop negative attitudes about other racial and ethnic groups or the out group. And early in life, most children acquire a full set of, of biases that can be observed in ber- verbal sleers, uh, ethnic jokes, and acts of discrimination. And, you know, just because maybe one race makes fun of itself doesn't mean it's okay for somebody who comes from a different race to make fun of them in the same way. And, and sometimes that's where that comes from because children mimic they mimic behaviors. So how are these biases basically reinforced? So once learned, stereotypes and prejudice resist change, even when evidence fails to support them or points to the contrary. People will embrace antidotes and that reinforce their biases, but disregard experience that contradicts them. So the statement from some of my friends are blah, you know, whatever. Some of my friends are Hispanic. Some of my friends are Chinese captures this tendency to allow some exceptions without changing our biases. So, you know, how do we perpetuate this? Well, you know, biases is perpetuated by conformity within an in-group attitudes and socialization by the culture at large. So, you know, if it helps you relate to your culture, then oftentimes people will reflect prejudice. And the fact that white culture is dominant in the United States, at least it used to be, it may explain why people of color often do not show a strong bias favoring their own ethnic groups. So mass media routinely takes advantage of stereotypes such as uh, uh, basically by painting a mood, a scene, or a character. You know, it used to be is amazing. Uh, when I grew up, all the bad guys on television were black. And uh, thank God uh, that changed because that, that was crazy. 
You know, bad guys come in all different flavors and all different colors. And uh, so by moving away from that, now it's taken 20, 30 years, but basically we're starting to see uh, all races start to emerge as stars and, you know, centerpieces and heroes and all kinds of stuff in the movies and in television. You know, what about hidden biases? There are a lot of hidden biases. Scientific research has demonstrated that biases are thought to be absent and are extinguished. They remain as a a mental residue, basically, in most of us. Studies show that people can be consciously committed to uh, egalitarianism and deliberately work to behave without prejudice, yet still possess hidden negative prejudice or stereotypes. And these are subconscious. That means they they basically just sit within us as a, 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 a basic prejudice. You know, it's uh, to go, let's say, I went down out to the Baltics uh, earlier this year, and it was a beautiful trip. And, you know, with the Baltics, you think in terms of Norwegian or harsh or, or Eastern European, they were some of the warmest people I've ever met. And they were extremely wonderful uh, as far as helping people travel. They were very clean and they were very wonderful. They weren't a bunch of Vikings. They weren't a bunch of uh, stereotypical things. Yes, they had uh, different accents, but no, they didn't have the typical uh, what you would consider Russian or what you would consider uh, Norwegian. They were just good people. And and that was amazing to go out there with that subconscious bias, which wasn't necessarily negative. But it's created a lot sometimes by cartoons and things like that where they kind of make fun of a culture based on the way they speak. And so you you, you tend to think when you're going there that that's what you're going to get. And that's just not the truth. All right. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and we're going to explain discrimination. And we're going to go to the difference between prejudice and discrimination. Come back. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Southern California, but he is here to help you no matter where you are. Visit drgbmft.com. You can schedule an appointment with Dr. Bell, and many major health insurance plans are accepted. Call or text Dr. Bell today at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com. Dr. Bell could help you take back your life in four to eight carefully constructed sessions. Stop coping and start living in the now. Call 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. encouraged and connected on our lively award-winning healthy living power hour star style be the star you are with hosts cynthia bryan and heather Brittany. live every wednesday at 4 p.m pacific on the voice america empowerment channel tune in to the power party for positive uplifting life-changing talk radio visit starstyleradio.com It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You 
are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, we're talking about prejudice, and we're going to look at the difference between prejudice and discrimination. It's really important to understand this, and I'm, I'm going to go into more direct details rather than just talking about prejudice, but also trying to break it out in terms of uh, like racial prejudice and all that kind of stuff and how it affects people because the bottom line is we know what prejudice is, but we have to know what the effect of it is. And the truth is we're in a global economy. We're in a global world. Um, we can actually get to almost the other side of the world within 19 hours on a jet, on a regular uh, international jet. So the bottom line is, folks, uh, that we cannot afford, if we're going to live in a world that is dependent on other countries and other cultures, we're all codependent on each other. And the deal is, if we're going to do that, we cannot live with prejudice. So, you know, prejudice is an unjustified or uh, incorrect attitude, usually negative towards an individual based solely on the individual's membership of a social group. For example, you know, a person may hold prejudiced views towards a certain race or gender or sex. Now, discrimination is the behavior or the actions usually negative towards an individual or group of people, especially on the basis of sex, race, and social class. Now, did you get that? You know, a person that is prejudiced may not act on their attitude. Therefore, someone can be prejudiced towards a certain group, but not discriminate against them. Also, prejudice includes uh, attitude, all, all three components of attitude, which is affective, behavioral, and cognitive, whereas discrimination just involves basically behavior. So what discrimination is, is the actual act of being prejudiced. And that is acting on your beliefs and actually communicating from those beliefs. You know, there's, there's four, four basic explanations of prejudice and discrimination. There's the authoritarian personality, and those people tend to be hostile to those who are inferior status or, uh, but obedient of people with high status. They're uh, fairly rigid in their opinions and their beliefs. They're conventional, uh, upholding traditional values. And people with authoritarian personalities were more likely to categorize people into us and them groups, seeing their own group as superior. You know, therefore, uh, individuals with a very strict upbringing by critical and harsh parents were more likely to develop an authoritarian personality. And, uh, you know, authoritarian traits uh, such as uh, ethnocentrism, which is the tendency to, to basically favor your own ethnic group, obsession with rank and status, respect for and submissiveness to authority figures, and also the preoccupation with power and toughness. You know, and that is an authoritarian personality. Um, now, there's another category, which is basically uh, comes from the robber's cave. And the robber's cave, it mimicked uh, the kinds of conflict that plagued people all over the world. The simplest explanation for this conflict is competition. You know, assigned uh, strangers to groups 
Throw the groups into competition, stir the pot, and soon there's conflict. There is a lot of evidence that when people compete for scarce resources like jobs, land, money, there is a rise in hostility between the groups. For example, in times of high unemployment, there also becomes high levels of racism among the people that are competing for the jobs. All right. Also now there's stereotyping, and uh, this is a, a fixed overgeneralized uh, belief about a particular group or class of people. You know, for example, um, you know, uh, Hell's Angel. We all have an image of what a Hell's Angel person looks like. You know, the advantage of a stereotype is that it basically enables us to respond rapidly to situations because we may have had a similar experience before. But the disadvantage is that it makes us ignore differences between individuals. And so, therefore, we think things about people that may not be true. And then there's this social identity theory. And social identity is a person's sense of who they are based on their group's membership. And and basically, this is social class, family, like a football team, you know, how they see themselves. Which people belonged to these groups, it it becomes a very important source of pride and self-esteem because they identify themselves with a particular group. And in order to increase our self-image within the social identity theory, we basically enhance the status of the group to which we belong. So, for example, uh, some people believe their country is the best country in the world. So, they increase their self-image by discriminating and holding prejudiced views against the out-groups, the other groups that don't belong, uh, you know, like uh, maybe uh, French or, or Latino or whatever, whatever groups that we see as an out-group we may hold prejudice against them. So basically, um, we divide the world into them and us, and that becomes a very hostile world. If we can break those boundaries down, which is what we are going to have to do as a world and as a human race, because we're all depending on each other economically, now we may have to depend on each other socially. You know, uh, and if stereotyping basically if you look at that it's putting these people into groups and categories it's based on you know a fairly normal thought process the tendency uh, to group things together and so um, basically what people do to to extend that and to to make their life easier uh, is basically they create differences between groups differences between teams differences between employers uh, difference uh, between a product and how it's manufactured. You know, if you look at uh, similarities in the same group, also what you may find is you begin to have a dialogue with that group. You know, examples of in-group and out-group is like Northern Ireland, the Catholics and the Protestants, uh, Rwanda, the Hutus and the Tutsis, uh, Yugoslavia, the Bosnians and the Serbs, Germany, the Jews and the Nazis, in politics, labor and conservatives, or, or, or here in the United States, Democrat and, and uh, Republican. Uh, males and females, and uh, middle class, working class. And, and if you look at that categorization, uh, government oftentimes works by that categorization. As a matter of fact, they conduct every 10 years in the United States a census. And the census basically helps the government understand how to serve different categories because it can't serve in- individuals as much as it tries to, to uh, observe categories. So in truth, government in its nature operates by prejudice. 
Um, that doesn't mean it's evil prejudice, but what it is is it's categories. And if you don't fall into certain categories, you may not have a place to be inside of a population of uh, uh, your your nationality. Also, uh, there's this this social comparison is needed also for people to decide whether it is safe to visit another country or what precautions that they have to take when they go to certain places because presumptions happen oftentimes based on the broader uh, assumptions made of different cultures in different countries. And that's not helpful because you may prepare for something that just does not exist. So, you know, let's look at, uh, once again, the difference in prejudice and discrimination. You know, there's race discrimination. uh, And that's like apartheid in South Africa was a system of racial segregation that was enforced uh, from 1948 to 94. Uh, non-white people were prevented from voting and lived in separate communities, yet they were the vast majority of the population. You know, in World War II in Germany, in German, uh, German-controlled lands, Jewish people had to wear yellow stars to identify themselves as Jews. Later, the Jews were placed in concentration camps, as many of us all know. And then there's age discrimination. And this is the type of discrimination against a person or a group on the, on the grounds of their age. Well, this can be very, very negative because a base, you know, basically the truth is you could talk to a child almost like an adult sometimes. There is an adult inside every child. An elderly person is not necessarily somebody with Alzheimer's or thinks slow. They can be very sharp. As a matter of fact, we as an age are getting older as people. And yet if we keep our mind busy, we can operate just as well as we did back when we were 20 when we're 60 or 70. You know, and even beyond that, based on the way people could take care of their health. Also, there's gender discrimination. So, in Western societies, while women are often discriminated against in the workplace, men are often discriminated against in the home and in the family environments. For instance, after divorce, women receive primary custody oftentimes. And uh, the children are, are far more often with the women than the men. And women, on the average, earn less pay than men for doing the same job. Um, also, influences that can cause individuals to be racist or sexist, for example, may come from peers' parents or group membership or conforming to social norms, meaning people adopt to the norms set by society. So, if they live in a culture that is a prejudice against another culture or another race, they may take, take that as this is normal. And so, you know, we have to look at the results and um, – We have to look at how these social norms uh, come about. You know, behavior is considered appropriate within a social group, but one possible influence on the prejudice or discrimination, people will push back. And so when you're trying to take on a group, you have to make sense to the group and you have to actually empathize with the group before you criticize the group. You have to empathize before you criticize. And that means that you're able to understand rather than to be able to clearly just operate from prejudice. Prejudice is a one-way dialogue. Non-prejudice is a two-way dialogue. Okay, now, uh, what is this racial prejudice? Well, racism generally refers to a system of oppression of a racial group due to the idea that some groups are inherently inferior to others. Racism can only be broken down into specific forms. There is internalized racism, which refers to the feelings of self-hatred experienced by individuals from oppressed groups. 
And there's the victims of internalized racism, which may loathe uh, color of skin, facial features, or other physical characteristics because the traits of minority groups have historically been devalued, especially in Western society. And uh, related to internalized racism is colorism, which is the discrimination against the color of skin. But colorism also results in darker skinned people from a variety of racial backgrounds. You know, we are a blended culture. We have people that have African-American, Asian, Hispanic, white, whatever, that, you know, Indian. We all blend together. And so oftentimes many people are more than just what they're classified as based on the color of their skin. So some people are treated like the color of their skin rather than their actual cultural background, you know, and their actual genetic genetic makeup. You know, subtle racism refers to seemingly minor ways of minorities experience discrimination. Racism doesn't always involve extreme acts of bigotry, such as hate crimes, but more often than not, it involves everyday slights, such as being ignored, ridiculed, treated differently because of someone's racial background. And lastly, one of the most controversial forms of racism is reverse racism, and which is the idea that, that uh, uh, a certain uh, like white people who've been historically privileged in the Western world now experience Western uh, or, uh, racial discrimination because of the affirmation action and other programs that aim to level the playing field for minorities. So sometimes the the the, the playing field gets leveled, and then all of a sudden there's basically reverse discrimination on the group that was discriminating before. So that doesn't help. That doesn't help things. You know, you know, when the Chinese attacked Pearl Harbor on December 7th, 1941, the U.S. public viewed Americans of Japanese descent suspiciously. And although many Japanese Americans had never stepped foot in Japan and knew only of the country from parents or grandparents, the notion spread that the Nisi, which is the second generation Japanese Americans, were more loyal to the Japanese empire than to their birthplace, which was the United States. And so acting with this idea, the federal government basically decided to round up more than 110,000 Japanese Americans and place them in internment camps for fear that they would team up and, and commit treason against the United States and join forces with Japan. So without trial or due process, the Nisi, second generation Japanese born in America, were often stripped of their civil liberties and forced into detention camps. And, uh, you know, in 1988, the U.S. government basically issued a formal apology to the Japanese Americans for this shameful chapter in our history of the United States. You know, also, let's look at uh, prejudice and racial profiling. You know, after September 11th attacks in New York, uh, Japanese Americans and in uh, on the west Co or east coast of the United States Japanese Americans worked to prevent Muslim Americans from being treated how the Nisi and the Isi were during World War II. Despite their efforts, hate crimes against Muslims and those perceived to be Muslims or Arab rose following those terrorist attacks. So uh, Americans of, of Arab origin faced particular scrutiny on airlines and airports and uh, you know, the Japanese actually tried to step in. The Japanese Americans tried to step in and help those folks and help us understand what this was all about and how people, how far we could go to hurt a population. You know, prejudice and race based on stereotypes work hand in hand. The bottom line is, guys, we have to be smart. You know, stupidity operates in black and white. Stupidity, many stupid things happen in black and white. 
an educated population, which we are becoming a very undereducated population, uh, do not take our education system as seriously as we used to as a country. Uh, and that's shown in statistics after statistics of how well our children are being educated. But the bottom line is the efforts being made, but the, the, the support at home is not oftentimes there. But, you know, it takes people that have intellect and people that want to understand and learn to be able to overcome prejudice, to have those kind of dialogues with things that are scary or things that are different. You know, uh, to combat prejudice, unfortunately, racial stereotypes are, are so prevalent, in, and especially in Western society, that even the very young exhibit signs of it. So given this, it's inevitable that most open-minded individuals will have a prejudiced thought on occasion. You know, what they don't need to act on it. However, you know... Uh, when George Bush addressed the Republican convention in 2004, he called on school teachers not to give in to their preconceived ideas about students based on race and class. And he singled out the general, uh, the principal of Gainesville Elementary School in Georgia for challenging the soft bigotry of low expectations. And although poor Hispanic children made up most of the student body, 90% of the pupils their past state tests and reading and math. And that is something wonderful to talk about. You know, they formed a way to educate without prejudice. And that helps enormously. You know, had school officials decided that Gainesville students couldn't learn because of their ethnic origin or socioeconomic status, institutional racism would have been the unlikely result. So administrators and teachers would not have worked to give the student body the best education possible and Gainesville couldn't have uh, become yet another failing school system. And this is what pre makes prejudice a bad thing. So we're going to take a look uh, at basically generalized prejudice. And we're going to also take a look at the results of it and how to overcome. And we're going we're gonna to come up with solutions to where we can change ourselves and how we operate as people and, and actually evolve into the culture and the civilization that we want to. And so we're going to take a, another look at this. We're going to take a quick break and come back. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Do you like what you're hearing on the show today? Dr. Gary Bell wants to help you no matter where you are. He's fast, efficient, effective, and has a no-bull approach to helping you in less than 10 sessions. If you're ready to change right now, drop everything and call or text Dr. Bell at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. You can also follow Dr. Bell on Twitter at drgbmft for some great insight and direction. Are you ready? Make that change. Pick up the phone or go to the site, 951-818-7856 or drgbmft.com. Remember, drgbmft.com. The Compassionate Life is about just that. There are so many human beings who have made a name for themselves by being humanitarians. They have become individuals who are known for being selfless, kind, and compassionate. Host Dr. Brittany King is also one of these humanitarians. Each week she shares stories of kindness that she has experienced throughout the world, both as a contributor and recipient of these acts of love and kindness. Listen every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. 
tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about prejudice. And, you know, let's look at the central uh, difference between stereotypes and generalizations. You know, not all generalizations are stereotypes. Stereotypes are basically widely circulated oversimplifications of people in groups. And uh, basically, like in the United States, uh, racial groups have been linked to stereotypes such as being good at math, athletics, dancing, and, and also these stereotypes are also well known and that the average American wouldn't hesitate to ask uh, the identity of a racial group such as who would excel in basketball, who would excel in hockey, and that means that they would look at a stereotype first before they get deeper into who is the most talented, who is the most enjoyable to watch. Also, stereotypes can be very complicated, and they may refer to sex, race, religion, or country, but often they link various aspects of identity together, and this is also known as uh, intersectionality, and, and that stereotype is like uh, black gay, uh, for example, would involve race, sex, and sexual orientation, and although a stereotype like that targets a specific segment of African Americans rather than general black community, it's still problematic to insinuate that black gay men are all a certain way. Too many other factors make up any one black gay man. An identity to ascribe to a fixed list of characteristics would be extremely not helpful. You know, also stereotypes are complicated because when they factor in race and sex, members of the same group may be pegged very differently. Certain stereotypes apply to uh, Asian Americans, but generally when an Asian American population is broken down by sex, one finds that stereotypes of Asian uh, American men and Asian American women differ. And so these stereotypes involve race and gender, and they basically may peg the woman of a racial group as attractive and the men as exactly the opposite or vice versa. You know, and so we have to understand also that uh, generalization tells us a great deal about the nature of prejudice. To some extent, expressions of prejudice find their roots or origins within people as a particular psychology. So if you find this is a, a basically an obvious conclusion that you'd be surprised to learn that a psychological prejudice field engages the heated debates over where or whether the causes of prejudice are rooted in the person or the situation. You know, to be clear, research uh, record, uh, records most clearly supports the view that prejudices are a result of personal factors, situational factors, and interactive factors. So let's say you were robbed by a certain uh, individual and they looked a certain way and they had a certain color and they had a certain body build. All of a sudden, people will oftentimes, especially during trauma, classify all people in that category as dangerous. And so that's kind of how our brain works and it does that to try to protect us. It's kind of like... uh, you know, if you were running from the woolly mammoth, you want to remember how the woolly mammoth smelled, how it sounded, so that anytime you ever heard those noises or smelled that sound or, or smelled that or you saw an object as big as a woolly mammoth, 
you're likely to go to fight or flight. And that's how the brain trains itself to protect itself. But that mechanism has to be overcome by thought. And so ultimately, uh, prejudice is very multifaceted and it's a complex social phenomenon that are uh, there's intrapsychic uh, forces that basically uh, work to, to help protect us in some ways. But those overgeneralizations do not work as we operate in our daily life when we're safe, when we're just operating in the world. We really can't come to very quick conclusions. So here's some results of prejudice. Um, like the wide variety of prejudice exists in societies around the world, the consequences of the prejudice and the behavior influenced by them are very similar and varied. Uh, prejudice affects the everyday lives of millions of people. You know, it, it's held by individuals uh, unnaturally forces on others who don't even know they're being prejudiced against. They start to realize it by the way they're being communicated to, and they become targets of someone's prejudice. And so they have a false social status that strongly influences who they are, what they think, and even the actions that they take in another person's mind. So basically, you know, they, they start to target how a person from a certain culture or a certain race is supposed to think about the world and life in general, about the people around them, about how they feel about themselves. And, and sometimes the prejudice is so overwhelming, uh, people that are being prejudiced against start to assume the role and start to develop anger and uh, hostility towards those prejudices because they continue seeing themselves being categorized as a group rather than a person. And so, you know, they see their the, the chances of self-improvement, their, their uh, chances of integration into society goes way down when you strip away their individuality and throw a label on them. You know, people acting out their prejudices cause domestic violence, crime, death, the loss of billions of dollars in, in lost productivity, property loss, expense to societies such as the cost of court trials, social services provided to the victims, psychological counseling, dealing with dysfunctional, abnormal behavior elements of society is very costly. And if we in the United States understand that we are a blended culture and just have to basically get down to being a little bit more individualistic in how we think of each other, because ultimately to succeed in the United States, especially, or in any democratic culture or even social democratic culture, you have to become a rugged individual that whether you work for someone or work for yourself, you have to become someone of your own mind. You, and, and that is what made this country. And that is what made successful countries in this world is that people uh, ruggedly individualized. They went against uh, society. They went against people's pers uh, perspective. They again went against what was safe and they, they built and created new things that help people in this world and, and fulfill needs. And so without prejudice, what you have is the opportunity to have a very robust society with a lot of talent that may never be recognized simply because we label a culture or a race. You know, prejudice can impose very dramatic barriers and invisible barriers on people. And uh, many children are raised, especially in the United States, with certain beliefs, you know, like the American dream. Well, the American dream, once again, is rugged individualism. There are children that are taught that if they apply themselves and work hard enough and set their sights on what they want the most, they can achieve it by persistence. 
they are not taught about certain social barriers. And so when they find that there's prejudicial barriers out there, such as racial or gender discrimination, it is very, very distraught thinking that comes about because they become hopeless because they feel like they're, they have to fight an uphill battle unlike people of a different race or a different gender. You know, overcoming prejudice, you know, the best way to do that, number one, is to travel. And, and believe me, I have traveled across this globe. Um, I, I've yet to get to the Asian countries. I really want to get out there and I'm trying to figure out how to do that. But, but travel, you know, we have to get out of the country. And I don't mean a, a trip to Mexico or an all-inclusive resort. I want you to go and experience a different culture, meet new people and see how life is. And, and understand that there's a difference between a vacation and a traveler. You know, a traveler is somebody who travels to a different culture and get to know that culture. They, they integrate themselves into that culture. A vacationer goes to see the Eiffel Tower or whatever wonderful thing, and they say, okay, I saw that, now I can go home. And, uh, but basically, it, it comes kind of empty. But what a traveler does is they get to know a culture. Oftentimes, when I travel, since uh, food is usually a big difference in all cultures, uh, go and, and do food you know, food tours and basically get to know the food and get to know the people. That's where people are. Uh, and that's how you get to know what they like and what they don't like. And that's usually where people sit down when they're eating and they talk and they have a good time. And food is a wonderful place to get to know a different culture. Also, volunteer. You know, oftentimes we get stuck in our own little world. So going to work, getting kids at, from school, activities, dinner, neighborhood, friends, we don't take the time to get out and see what's really going on. So one way to do that is to volunteer in something that goes against your culture. And it's beneficial on several fronts. First, you may meet other volunteers from an entirely different walk of life with a similar passion to help. Secondly, you will often have the opportunity to interact with people you are helping, which will open your eyes to the fact that they are real people with the same goals and aspirations that you may have. You know, uh, you may uh, actually understand that, uh, for instance, if you work with people that just got out of prison, you may end up uh, seeing or meeting somebody that you went to school with that got out of prison. And all of a sudden, they become a real person to you. And so helping makes even more of uh, uh, an enrichment to your own person. Also, you know, make a friend from a different race or social background. You know, this could uh, sound superficial, but genuinely, I, I mean this. It may be harder than you think, but I promise if you do that, you will have a powerful impact on your own worldview, not the idea that having a friend that is of a different culture, but I'm talking about making a friend, not having a friend, but making a friend and actually learning about your cultural differences and the things you may never have considered before you even realized were challenges for people become challenges and you start to understand where they come from. But there's a difference between having a friend and making a friend. Making a friend means you get to know who they are. Also, you want to listen. You know, the, the single most important skill in all of life for any human being is listening. And uh, it's also critical to recognize that seeing your prejudice, that words matter. Listening to the words you use to describe other people, the words your friends and family use, and pay attention to the way people of different backgrounds describe things. This requires making a conscious effort and setting aside the idea that you know 
what someone is about to say. Respect the people you interact with regardless of what you believe you know about them. You know, a lot of people will fill in the sentences for their partners, and that's never a good thing. A person that is listening is the most powerful person in the room. Okay, now, what you also uh, may be able to do is do some self-evaluation and there's an IAT test and what that means is implicit association test that Harvard University actually puts out and it measures the strength of associations between concepts such as black people, gay people, evaluations such as good or bad, stereotypes such as athletic or clumsy or fat. You know, the main idea is that making a response is easier when it's closely related items share the same uh, response key. So when doing an IAT, you are asked to quickly sort words into that, that are on the left and on the right side of a computer screen by pressing the E key if the word belongs to the category on the left and the I key if the word belongs to the category on the right. And so this test basically will tell you how prejudiced you are and to what degree you're prejudiced. And by doing that, you're able to identify it's areas that you need to strengthen and areas that are weak. And you can do that AI, IAT test actually online. And uh, let me give you the web address. HTTPS colon backslash backslash implicit I-M-P-L-I-C-I-T dot Harvard dot E-D-U backslash implicit take a test dot html all right am i prejudiced well self-analyzation is never a bad idea prejudice is is an unjustified uh it's not a good it's usually negative and so we want to start asking questions in ourselves am i prejudiced so how do i feel about each side of a particular situation do i have negative feelings for the police or authority do i have negative feelings for those low on the economic status scale and uh, you know usually feelings cannot be fully understood using reason and if you're basing a thought process based on a feeling it's depressing because it's going to be black and white and it's going to be fear-based. So if, if most of what you're thinking about a person or a culture or a race or whatever is about feelings, it's, it's usually very, very inaccurate. Also, cognitive. If I were to describe each group as honestly as possible, would either description be overwhelmingly negative? And if so, is this an indicator of prejudice? Also, if you're going to analyze yourself, how would I act towards a group? Do I discriminate in any way? Do my behaviors reflect the way I feel or what I believe about a group? If so, this is an indicator of prejudice. You know, prejudice exists on a spectrum. It's not you are prejudiced or you're not. It's you are kind of prejudice or you're a little prejudiced or you're very prejudiced. I mean, it could be all kinds of spectrum, you know, so it's certainly possible for some people to be more prejudiced than others. And a low level of prejudice does not have to be problematic, especially if it's mostly in the affective and cognitive domains, meaning that you're not behaving towards that. You're not actually actively participating in the prejudice. You may have the prejudice in your mind, but you're not engaging it. You know, we have to also ask ourselves, how do you teach people, uh, children not to be prejudiced? And uh, you want to embrace uniqueness with kids. You want to teach them uniqueness and find the beauty in every person, the positive in them. You you also want to observe and teach them to learn. And we also want to make sure they understand kindness and consideration. We also want to teach them how to play by the rules. And we want to have our kids learn how to get out of that comfort zone. 
And, and we also want to talk to them about the future being bright. You know, that's raising kids in a very uh, low uh, prejudice type of environment. And that's what we want to see. All right. Now, that's our show. Our next show is The Psychotic Mind of Predators. I want to thank everybody for listening. I'd love to hear from you and to get your feedback. DRGBMFT at SBCGlobal.net. Remember W.C. Fields. He was an old movie actor back in the 30s. He said, I am free of prejudice. I hate everybody equally. He was a nasty old man. Okay, on religion. This is from Albert Einstein. The bigotry of the non-believer for me is as funny as the bigotry of the believer. That's our show. Thanks for listening. Once again, Psychotic Mind Predators next week. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you.